Hello and welcome to Have Your Say. I'm Tim. And I'm Jen. We're a part of the Toronto Asia Pacific Youth Council of the Asia Pacific Foundation of Canada. This podcast shares perspectives and experiences of youth and young professionals who have had the opportunity to live or work between Canada and Asia. Have Your Say is a two-part series on the impacts of COVID-19. Since mid-March, COVID-19 has radically disrupted our daily lives in Canada and around the world, especially our regular routines for work, study, and play. As part of this wider disruption, such as working from home and hosting online classes at schools and universities, international students became particularly vulnerable. They've faced unforeseen issues such as grappling with safe living arrangements, social and financial support networks, and trying to find suitable ways back to their home country. In this series, we spoke with students about how their lives have been personally impacted by COVID-19. Some of our guests are international students studying in Canada, while others are Canadian students studying in Asia. We explore their study abroad experiences, their changing perspectives on the outbreak, and their adjustments to the new normal in education and beyond. In today's episode, we'll be talking to our guests, Taylor and Claire, about what motivated them to study abroad their initial reactions to the pandemic, and how the pandemic has impacted them. We will also be discussing the role of technology in navigating these truly unprecedented and uncertain times. But before we start, just a disclaimer that the views shared by participants reflect their personal opinions and don't represent those of the Asia Pacific Foundation of Canada. All right, now let's introduce our guests. Our first guest, Taylor, is a 30-year-old Toronto resident who was born and raised in the city. He completed his undergraduate degree at McGill University, where he studied chemical engineering before moving out west to work as an engineer in the oil and gas industry. After five years there and living through the oil boom and bust, he decided that it was time for the next step in his career, and he pursued an MBA in Toronto. He was completing an exchange semester in Singapore when the pandemic began. Our second guest, Claire, is originally from China, but has also been living in Toronto over the past few years. She chose to study international relations and is an international student pursuing an undergraduate degree. So Taylor, why did you choose to study abroad? And what drew you to Singapore? Yeah, for sure. So uh, I went to uh, Singapore in Asia as part of the MBA exchange program for uh, the final semester of my MBA. Uh, The exchange experience was always high on my list, and Asia was always the place to go. I figured if you're going to go somewhere for, say, six months, why not go halfway around the world? Uh, And I've done a little bit of traveling to Asia before, and I've always loved it, so I was anxious to get back. So for me, it was between Singapore and Hong Kong, and I landed on Singapore. You know, I chose Singapore for uh, several reasons, and, you know, I think, first off, it's the economic center of Southeast Asia. Uh, which is one of the most uh, rapidly growing areas kind of in the world, a very dynamic global commerce hub. Uh, Another big reason is it's a cultural melting pot, as I like to say. So it's Chinese, it's Malaysian, it's Indian, it's, it's, you know, this mix of people from all over the world. It's very high tech. Lastly, for me, Singapore, it's a, it's a global launch pad to so many uh, beautiful countries that are just, you know, an hour flight, an hour cheap flight, I should say, away for the weekend. So it makes a a great launch pad for uh, weekend travel. So those those reasons really made the decision easy for me. And Claire, can you share your thoughts about why you chose to study outside of China and what helped you choose Canada? 
Well, there are several reasons that I have to choose Canada for me to really do well in this field instead of staying in China. So first of all, Canada has really good intellectual freedom. China always has a great intellectual space, especially after the post Tiananmen Square era. Under Xi's administration, the trend of intolerance and censorship in academia is disturbingly grow. You can see news about uh, not only censorship in academia, but also professors losing their job for speaking inappropriately, so to speak. So that is not really good for my intellectual development. Uh, as well as I really enjoy the curriculum and teaching methodology in Canada, which really encourages creativity and critical thinking. Because my field has this practical aspect, I need a lot of job experience since the early stage. And since Canada has a really robust civil society, it will offer me more opportunities to get a hand-on experience. In China, the space like that is very limited. So that's why I'm in Canada for this program. Both Claire and Taylor also noted that like most people, they never anticipated that the initial COVID-19 outbreak would lead to a worldwide pandemic. They also explained when they finally realized how grave the situation was and how the pandemic has impacted their academic studies and personal lives. In the beginning, everyone, including my colleagues and professors, think it's more likely to be a regional crisis in China or in Asia. But then it's kind of started to spread all around the world. And I see people around me, like my friends who lost her tuition, being affected. And I saw the more personal aspect instead of the statistical aspect of that. For me, I have to stay in Canada instead of go back to China to visit my family. Some people back home, my friend families really misses me. Well, since I'm more fortunate in a crisis, my parents are still able to pay my tuition and my expenses here. Many of my friends are affected. For example, a friend of mine, she, her father worked in the field of tourism and uh, that was really hit hard. So she can't even come back to university next year because of the financial situation that really affected her emotionally as well as academically. So it's very hard book to watch those happening. Claire also mentioned how classes were moved online and how she has adapted to the new normal. Taylor's experience in Singapore was similar with classes going online and having to adapt to a new grave reality. When it first broke out in Wuhan, uh, around Chinese New Year, there was a lot of buzz about it in the media. And, you know, people in North America weren't really talking about it too much. Uh, but there was a lot of hype about people spreading the disease, traveling to see their families on Chinese New Year. But still, it seemed a bit far away, I must admit. Uh, in Singapore, there were some cases, but it was something like two new cases a day, three new cases a day. And it, it just felt very in control and uh, sort of back of mind in a way. And also there was a lot of freedoms. The country itself was in control and, and you could kind of, uh, you know, still live your life and do as you please. And I must say the Singapore government did a great job of distributing information on case numbers and also squashing false rumors. It started feeling more real when it broke out in Europe and a little bit more close to home. I would say just sort of you're seeing you're like, oh, Italy, like I was in Italy not that long ago. Uh, oh, Spain. I was in Spain last year. You're seeing uh, these death rates and it starts feeling a little bit more real. And at that point, travel restrictions were starting to come in and the experience in Singapore was starting to change because my classes moved online. And then I think it really felt real when it broke out, of course, back home in Canada and the U.S., and uh, when the prime minister said the borders are closing and uh, time to come home, uh, I knew it was time to go. For some, 
The global shutdown and months of self-isolation have been a period of self-reflection, relaxation, and picking up new hobbies. However, for others, the uncertainty, lack of physical social support, and potential financial impacts are causing much grief and anxiety. It has been important to self-reflect on our lives and our attitude to unforeseen, unexpected events in the future. Claire, how did the pandemic initially affect you being away from home? Well, to be honest, I feel like I have retired in advance. I finally got a chance to cultivate my hobbies like painting and reading. There's no no need to hurry for anything. And um, it's actually following a schedule, for example, for this interview is quite a challenge for me. <laughs> Since I can remember where wherever I am is wherever my home is. <laughs> so the COVID-19 did not really impact my view on what home is. I don't have much attachment to physical places because I have been traveling and studying abroad for many years, which makes me a, both, a, a foreigner in both my hometown and the place of study. So I think I am my own hometown. <laughs> As the pandemic worsened and self-isolation measures were put in place, all academic classes, group discussions, and final exams were transitioned to online courses and digital communication. Claire and Taylor, how do you feel about this? Oh, well, for me personally, I think it, um, it really helped me to uh, continue with my existing study and communication with colleagues. So if, if not the internet, without internet access or access to digital technology, I cannot do like 90% of the things I'm doing now. And uh, from a professional perspective, I am currently conducting independent research regarding the connection between novel technology and the pandemic. Technology has been a huge saving grace uh, that we've all become very familiar with over the past few months. But yeah, I would say that the online experience, it ended up working out okay for me. So first off, I did do some classes online while in Singapore, and then I had to come home and continue finishing off my degree. Now, I was fortunate that the time zone with the 12-hour shift, it was almost convenient, like a, a 9 a.m. class was a 9 p.m., so it wasn't kind of at a weird hour. So I was actually able to still participate in classes and we were able to schedule team group meetings and also write tests still using like kind of like live testing, which I'd say is quite fortunate given to think that I'm in Toronto doing an MBA program live in Singapore and the fact that I was able to not only effectively complete it, but also meaningfully complete it and feel like I was really learning still and participating. So it was a fairly smooth transition. I would say, you know, initially a bit choppy as sort of professors are trying to find their way on the platform. Just like us, it was a huge dislocation for them. As things got you know, sort of more in the rhythm, it felt natural and you, know, you were able to ask questions and participate. And if anything, you could rewatch something later if you didn't quite understand it. You know, there's some benefits to it too. Moving forward, I, I think everyone's kind of hoping that Maybe the big lecture halls won't be able to happen, but hopefully you can still have team meetings, team discussions, breakouts, so things like that, which will allow for some of those uh, interpersonal connections, but also in sort of a safer way until there's a vaccine. There's no way you can really replace that uh, camaraderie, that connection, the building the network with your peers, kind of being in a classroom for a meaningful debate or a discussion. Online will never be the same. Both agreed that technological innovation will have significant positive effects for managing this current and future health crises. The use of technology to detect, target, and trace the spread of viruses has proven successful in many Asian countries. 
However, while tools such as digital contact tracing have been touted as effective, differing views exist regarding the influence of mass surveillance. Some international students have unique perspectives on the use of government mass surveillance in the name of crisis management technology. It is always important to watch for the long-term adaptation of crisis managing technology. For example, how a government uh, repurposed the pandemic control technology like temperature recognition and contact tracing app. It might be helpful right now, but would they just abandon it totally after the crisis is something we really need to watch. The COVID-19 pandemic severely disrupted study abroad experiences on many levels, from housing, academic participation, to recreation. Overall, our guests were fortunate to have access to technology that allowed them to continue participating in courses and maintain communication with distant friends and family. In the next episode of Have Your Say, we'll be following the stories of two other international students and the impact of a global pandemic on their career interests and educational prospects. The Toronto Asia Pacific Youth Council is glad to share these insights on the everyday thoughts of international students amidst the COVID-19 pandemic. For more information, please visit the Asia Pacific Foundation of Canada online at www.asiapacific.ca or find us on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. See you next time.